Amen. Good morning, everybody. So good to see everyone. You know, if you are here to hear, uh, to listen to Pastor, I'm so sorry to disappoint you. You know, but come back next week or the week after that and you'll hear him. But nevertheless, I believe that even though you're hearing a different voice today and this morning, we still are going to hear from the same God. Amen. And God has a word for everyone that's here. I believe it. Why don't we pray to, uh, just to open up this service one more time. Jesus, Lord, we just want to thank you for a powerful, Lord God, worship session, Lord God. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that your presence is in this place, Lord God. We thank you for waking us up this morning, Lord, that we can come here. And Lord, this morning, we know that you have a word for us, that this morning, Lord, it is not just any Sunday morning, but it's some Sunday morning that some of us, in fact, all of us here will be ministered to. There will be a turning point, Lord God, in our lives, oh Lord God. And Lord, we want to receive your word. We ask that you will open up my ears. Come on, why don't you tell God, Lord, open up my ears, Lord. Open up my heart, Lord God, to receive from you this morning and all of God's people. You can say... Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you are a guest and friend, we welcome you. If you are tuning from home or wherever you are online, we welcome you as well. And we believe that God can also manifest His presence at your house, wherever you are. Amen. Amen. Now I want to show you everyone. I brought this thing, this, this book here this morning. You know, I wonder whether all of us here can uh, recognize this book. You know, if, if you can't see it, I also brought a, you can flash it on the PowerPoint. It's called a street directory. You know, I remember when I was my uh, daughter's age, she's about, she's eight this year. I remember this book. I remember uh, browsing through it because uh, my family and I were growing up. We used to do something called road rallies where we will go from point to point around Singapore to try to accomplish uh, some, some uh, like uh, amazing race. And I remember browsing through this book and it was, it was really tough because you know, it's, it's really complicated. But I thank God, you know, that today in our day and age, we don't need to rely on this book, this street directory, you know, and if you have, you know, rely on it, you know, you just want to thank God right now that we have uh, navigation apps, right? We have GPS, we have Google Maps, you know, some of you it might not even use Google Maps, might use Waze. You know, I spoke to a couple of people this past week who just came back from driving uh, overseas and they tell us the importance of having a navigation app, especially driving in a foreign country because you have no idea, right? You're driving in a place, you don't know whether the roads get flooded, you don't know whether you need to take a detour, or if the roads are closed, and you need to find another way to your destination. So today, I'm going to talk a little bit about GPS. Some of you are not drivers, but all of us have taken a car, and I'm pretty sure all of us here, you know, maybe the exception of Maddie, Aiden, you know, all of us know what is Google Maps, and what is Waze, and what is Grab. So GPS help us to get from one place to the other, right? Point A to point B. And I remember in the past, um, when we were having service at Chinatown Point, I would have the privilege of driving these special speakers, you know, Bishop Ellis, Bishop Wright from their hotel, Brother Stone King from their hotel to Chinatown Point. And there was one particular incident that I remember so vividly. We were so driving uh, Brother Stone King from his hotel to Chinatown Point and I was so engrossed right, in talking to him and he, he's really uh, just a wonderful conversationalist. He would ask you how's your day, he would tell you about his favourite tea, about his pastime in downtown New York, what he likes to do. And I was so just, you know, just enjoying my conversation with him that I forgot to tell 
the driver, uh, Sister Grace, was then, you know, not my wife yet, where to drive, how to, where, which road to turn. And we end up taking a big detour and almost got late for service. He came in during worship session. So thank God, if not, it'll be on me. You, you will not hear the special speaker. You know, so those of you all who didn't know, you know, there was one Sunday, this happened and I was the cause of it. Okay, so today, not just about GPS, right? I just want to start from something that everyone can identify with. I start from GPS, but let's move away from just a GPS about our, uh, a phone or our navigation. Let's talk about the GPS of life. I want to ask everyone here this morning, what is your GPS in life? Where is the destination that God has placed, or maybe not even God, or you have placed in your heart? You know, and to talk more about it, I want to first read out a scripture in um, Philippians by the Apostle Paul. And maybe if I can uh, ask everyone to stand with me to the, for the reading of the word in Philippians 3.13. Okay, in Philippians 3.13, it says this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing, everyone say one thing. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on toward the goal. And you may be seated. Paul knew his destination. And not only he knew his destination, his very word in Philippians says he pressed on toward it. He strained towards it. You know, he can be in a detour, he can be a car wreck, maybe his car breakdown, his tires can be flat, but he knew where he is going and he pressed on toward it. You know, likewise for us this morning, all of us are actually going somewhere. So where are you going? Let me rephrase it. What motivates you? What drives you? If God can grant you a wish, just for this morning, okay? Let's, 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 let's be more interactive here. If God can grant you a wish this morning for your personal life, your own life, huh? not your kid's life, your, your, your husband's life, or your wife's life, you know, your own life, okay? What would it be? Good health? No stress? You know, go to work. You, are, you, you, are must, you have mastery over everything at work. That's great. Good results if you are in, you know, you just finish your PSLE, you know, like Ben, you want to get good PSLE results. That's great as well. Uh, career advancements for those of you who are working. Promotions every year. Or maybe a loving family, you know, or um, for those who are single, to get married to God's special one for you. Or maybe to have many friends and enjoy popularity. Or is it to own a good property? You know, the HDB prices are coming up. I know many young couples are praying to God and believing God for, you know, a good uh, property, uh, at least a good HDB. Or to own a car. Or to be financially secured. And if you are in the later stage of your life, to retire well and to enjoy, you know, the later stage of your life. You see, most of us desire these things. And there's nothing inherently wrong with them. In fact, if you were to ask me, I'll say I want everything. You know, if I were greedy, I'll say I want everything. Why not, right? But what is one thing, if I can ask you this morning, one thing that is above all of it? What is the most significant? 
It is important because this distinction will make a difference and will ultimately determine where your next step is, your second step, your third step, and all the rest of your steps are in. You see, I know and I understand this morning that our priorities also change depending on our season. Your priorities may change, you know, as a student, you know, from, and then it change again when you are uh, a young, young family. And it may change again after that when you are called the sandwich generation and it just changed. But as of right now, this moment, okay, let's play a game with everyone, okay? And let's play a game called Choosing Game. Which of this would you choose Okay, let's say you have 30 minutes. Uh, okay, right now you have 30 minutes, right? Uh, let's say today is a Monday. Okay, we fast forward to tomorrow. Today, now you have 30 minutes. Would you rather choose health? Let's say you want to go for a walk. You know, yeah, I want to be healthy. You know, I want to exercise. Or would you choose an optional work meeting that you know will increase your chance of promotion this year? Mm. It is your answer, okay? There's no right or wrong answer. And this is just me throwing up some, something to keep, get, get everyone to think. Which one would you choose? Okay, I know what I will choose. I'm not going to tell you. Okay, but this is your own answer. Okay, next one. Okay, everyone got your answer already? That's good, huh? Okay, next one. It is the end of this year now, right? Now it's November already. And pretty soon, we'll all be celebrating what? Christmas, exactly. And there is only uh, one Christmas day and there's only one Christmas Eve. But let's say on this day, it's Christmas Eve already and there's only one party you can attend. Oh man, you know. If you are, if you are popular, maybe you have many parties, right? But, okay. So let's say there's one party you have to attend. Is it a party with your family? Just, just your own family, okay? Or is it a party with your friends? You got to choose one only. I also know which one I'll choose, okay? But which one would you choose? So in, 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 inevitably, right, this is just a choosing game, right? This is just, just five minutes. But there'll come a point in time where there'll be many choices that you take in your life that will determine where you are moving. And you have to choose one way or the other when the road splits. So let me talk to you about some choices that some people in the Bible have taken uh, for good or for bad, you, you can be the judge of it because, you know, on hindsight, it's 2020, we have the benefit of the word. But let's read about some key characters that I want to introduce to everyone today. If your goal this morning is say, I want to be popular, I want to be well-liked, you know, I like people to like me, you know, and I like to be, you know, on good terms with everyone, then let me introduce to you Aaron. Okay, Aaron here from the Old Testament, the first high priest of Israel. I'm going to read to you, you know, a key event in Aaron's life that show us about his desire about, of being uh, Mr. Popular. In Exodus 32, 1 to 6, and I'm going to read, it goes like this, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for Moses... We do not know what has become of him. And let's see how Aaron replied. Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. 
And then he said, And this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is the feast to the Lord. Then they rose early the next day, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat, drink, and rose up to play. Now, there's something, I don't know, that, that doesn't sit well you know, as I read this scripture. Something that doesn't add up in this. Moses was gone. The people who have actually had an experience of God started to doubt God and doubt where Moses was. And, he, and they approached Aaron and said, come on, Aaron, I don't know where Moses is. I want you to do something for us instead. Give us something to worship. And verse 25, if you read on, specifically said when they demanded and they request that of Aaron, did he stop them? Did he say, no, cannot. You want to get fried by God, is it? You all just experienced God, the Red Sea, right? He didn't say that. He said, okay, come, let's do it. I'm going to make you something that you wanted. So he wanted to be well-liked and followed the demands to make this golden calf. And yes, he was in the centre of the attention of the children of Israel. But we can see also as we read on further that he was very far away from the heart of God in this very instance. So let's move away from Aaron, you know, and, and let's learn, learn from his story. And let's move on to the New Testament. And let's say this morning, you say, oh, Brother Brian, you, I want, you know, I don't want to be popular. I, I, in fact, you know, I'm an introvert, right? You know, and I don't really, really care much for, you know, for, for, for friends or anything. I, but, but, you know, growing up in Singapore, I just want to be a good person. You know, and, 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 and there's nothing wrong with that. But let's read about something like that, that the guy also who had these traits, you know, have in the New Testament. Not only was this guy a good person, he also had everything. He had social status and he was financially secured. And so let me introduce you to this guy. Uh, he doesn't have a name here, but the Bible calls him the rich young ruler. In Matthew 19, verse 16 to 22, we're going to read about an encounter that Jesus had with this young man. A very interesting encounter. And here he goes in verse 16. Now behold, one came and said to him, and him referring to Jesus, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Hmm, that's a very good question. I wonder who come in this morning and had this question in your mind. What is one thing that I can do to have eternal life? Because all of us are going somewhere. Just got to make sure that your destination gives you eternal life. Verse 17, So he said to him, oh, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Huh. Let's see how the ruler replied. What? Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honour your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbour as yourself. I can imagine the rich young ruler listening to Jesus and he started to think through his life and started to tick all the check boxes. As Jesus recounted the commandments, he said, oh, check, honour your parents, check, um, love your neighbours, check, you know, don't lie, check, don't commit adultery, check. And then he replied, you know what? All these things I've kept for my life, for my youth, what do I still like? And so Jesus replied, 
if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard that, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. You see, I call this rich young ruler the almost perfect role model. Really, the almost perfect role model. Because why? This, this young man, besides being wealthy, he was really an outstanding guy. You know, he's, he's the kind of guy, right, that every Asian mother would want to matchmake their daughter with. <laughs> really, because if you look at, at his, his, his Tiaotian, right, it's ridiculously good, you know. I, I, I can't find someone like that, but if you know someone like that, please tell me. I have a daughter. <laughs> so this guy kept all of God's commandments. And if he has a LinkedIn profile, I tell you, his LinkedIn profile will list down all his achievements, you know, uh, his honours, his failure, you know, he loved others. And also he kept all of God's commandments. That's amazing. But you see, even all these checkboxes, after he ticked them, he still went away from this experience with God, a sorrowful guy, a sad guy. I can pretty much sum up that it was a pretty sad experience for him. What he thought would be, you know, an affirmation of what he had done, Jesus turned it around and gave him another commandment which like totally, probably he didn't expect it at all. So, talking about Aaron, Mr. Popular, and talking about this rich young ruler, Mr. Ridiculously Good Profile, and we see the gaps. We see there's something not really going on well for these two guys. Now, let me introduce you a third person. And this person, we're going to talk a little bit more. I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about them. And this guy, you know, he's also a rich young ruler. And not only was he a rich young ruler, this third person that I'm going to introduce, but he was also the brother of Aaron. You know, and Bible scholars, you already know, you have that mind, that, 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 that name in your mind right now, and he is none other than Moses. So Moses, why did I call him a rich young ruler? Well, if you read about his life story, Moses, in the Old Testament, he grew up in Pharaoh's court. He grew up not as an ordinary guy. He wasn't a man in the street. He wasn't like a you or me. He was like the Prince Harry or the Prince William of the Egypt, Egyptian royalty. That's amazing. He had all the wealth and all the privileges of royal ancient Egyptian. If I were to contextualize in Singapore, he wore all the branded clothes that you can find. He ate at the fanciest restaurant, all the Michelin five-star restaurants. Moses had advanced, he didn't even need to make advanced reservation. He just needs to walk into them and say, I want what I want and he'll be fed from the fanciest restaurant. Moses grew up never having to work a single day in his life if he didn't want to. He had servants waiting on him 24-7 as someone that grew under the royal court. And I say his life was the envy of many because he had the five seas of ancient Egypt. You know what's the, what's the five seas of ancient Egypt? He had chariot, he had clothing, cash, comfort, and convenience. Everything you want, you know, you can use, and he had it, you know, whatever the best of life, he had it. Except, of course, you know, the, the throne of, of, of Pharaoh. But it's okay. His, his life is still very good. But you see, the thing about Moses is though, even though he had the good life that a lot of us, you know, could envy after, there was something deep inside Moses that was 
still deeply dissatisfied. There was a yearning inside of Moses that was caused him to be really discontented. And he says, even though all these material possessions, you know, I can choose any one of them, it doesn't really feel that whole in my heart. It doesn't really satisfy me. It doesn't make me feel good. And you know, too much of it is like, you know, very gelat, you know. I really cannot take it. And so Moses had this hole inside his heart. I read about his dis- discontentment. I read about it in Hebrews 11, 24 to 25. It says here, By faith, Moses, when grown, refused. He rejected. He didn't want. He didn't want what? The privileges of the Egyptian royal house. So what did he do? He chose. He chose, huh? He had a choice in this. He proactively chose a hard life with what? With God's people rather than an opportunistic soft life of sin with the oppressors. And the oppressors refers to the Egyptians. Now, I don't know about you. When I read this, I'm like, hmm, something's very interesting here. Let's dig a little bit further. Why, Moses? What's up with you? Why is there this deep discontentment in your life when you have so many good things happening for you? In verse 26, if you read on, he says, he thought it was better to suffer. Ah, better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to what? What does he say here? His great reward. There was something about this great reward that is more valuable than the five seas of ancient Egypt. There was something in this great reward that spoke to him, that called out to him, that he recognized that no worldly possession or no man could give. And there was a higher reward than what he grew up with, than what he saw on a daily basis. There was a bigger and better and and greater thing for Moses. And he called this this great reward. So I come to this point in time, you know, talking about how great this reward is, how wonderful this great reward is. But what is this great reward, Brother Brian? Can you stop tempting me and talking about it without telling me what is that great reward? Okay, I'm going to tell you about this great reward. Okay, but I want to ask you first, what do you think this great reward was? I don't know. I try. Someone, what do you think this great reward is? Eternal life? Okay, that's interesting. That's a, that's a good, good one. What else? What could it be that was better than what Moses was already enjoying in Egypt? You know, some people might, besides eternal life, some people might think, was it the promised land? The land flowing with milk and honey? Because if you read further down Exodus of Moses' life, this was where he was going with the children of Israel. But you see, what could the promised land offer that Egypt didn't already have? Egypt had shelter. Egypt had food. Egypt had safety. Egypt had, in Egypt, he had status. In Egypt, he had power. And he had all these things in his checkbox as well. That the promised land if we logically think about it, couldn't have offered him. But there was something that made Moses deeply dissatisfied enough to leave Egypt into the unknown, into the desert. Here's a clue. 
And go back to Hebrews again in Hebrews 11, 27. He says here, By faith, Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, this was Pharaoh, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. I say again, huh? for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, if you were tuning in to Tuesday prayer meeting, you would have known the clue already when Brother Sam talked about it. There was someone that Moses saw that changed his life entirely. There was someone that Moses met and spoke to that turned his life around. There was someone that Moses see that changed his world and his value system upside down and right side up. And seeing him was God. And Moses' great reward was about being in God's presence. Now, how do we know this, Brother Brian? Uh, can you show me some scripture? Okay, let's do that. Let's fast forward in Moses' life several years later when he was leading the children of Israel out of slavery. You see, God's presence was with Israel as they left Egypt. In Exodus 13, 21, he says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night. God's presence was with them throughout the entire time. No, I know that I'm going pretty fast in this and I'm skipping some point, pretty, pivotal points in Moses' life. If you want to find out more about Moses, I'm going to encourage you. If you've not done UTB, please go and do UTB. A lot of this is found in lesson three, four, lesson four. Thank you, Brother Sam. Lesson four of UTB, okay? So for the details, go to your UTB, sign up for UTB if you've not done so. Okay, so back to Exodus 13.21. God was with them entire way. He was with them at the crossing of the Red Sea. He was with them as they moved through the wilderness. He was with them as a tangible presence, as a pillar of fire at night. You know, and you were learned in UTB. Okay, I, know, I will not spoil it for you. You want to know what you learned in UTB, sign up for it. I know UTB administrators are smiling. You know, sign up for UTB. Okay, but basically God was with them throughout the way. So for many years, right? Moses and the children of Israel in the wilderness, they've been wandering around in a hot and, 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 and dry and arid uh, condition. They were eating the same food. They were eating manna. Literally manna, if you change the meaning of the word manna is, what is this? Literally when, 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 the, when the children of Israel look at manna, they say, what is this? And this is the name of manna. What is this? They were eating what is this for years and, and years and years. Okay, I don't know about you. If you have a, one favorite food that you want, you can eat, right? Even if I ask you to eat for 40 years, I'm pretty sure uh, every single day of life, you will also become your least favorite food already. But now I'm asking you to eat a food that is, what is this? Would you eat a what is this? What is this? I don't know, what is this? Would you eat what is this every single day of your life? For 40 years, I don't know about you, I weren't, nah, okay? So they were eating what is this and, and eating quail as well. And they were wearing the same smelly clothes. Okay, their clothes didn't, there's no wear and tear in their clothes, thanks to God's blessing, but they were wearing it the same. And I don't know if, whether they had deodorant at that point of time. Pretty sure there's no deodorant, but if you're wearing the same clothes every day for 40 years, pretty sure you're going to sting, or at least your clothes are going to sting. 
So imagine the sort of conditions that they were living in. And now, finally, right, after living in this kind of strange, really cruel, torturous conditions, they are going into the promised land. The land that was promised to their ancestors, the land that they heard about, you know, from their Amma, their Akong, and now finally, I can, I can go into this promised land. However, if we read, just before they entered into the promised land, just before that, now, God had an EGM, you know, an extraordinary general meeting, just him and Moses, two person only, this one. Why? Because we've got, you are the majority. So God told Moses this. You know what, Moses? These people, these children of Israel, you know why they are called children? Because they are really rebellious. You know why they are called children? Because I really cannot tahan them anymore. And these children of Israel are really very childish. I should really call them the childish people of Israel. And because I really cannot tahan them, Moses, I'm going to give you this condition. I'm going to give you this offer. Okay? You can go. The, and all these children can go in since they are really acting like children. And because I cannot go, I really, up to here already, I cannot take it. If I go with them, I will not just cane them. I will burn them up. I will fry them. Okay? So Moses, you go to this promised land that was promised. You bring the children of Israel there and I won't go with you, but I will send an angel with you. Okay? So you don't complain. So they, they won't complain that, you know, why, why I go to promised land, but then nobody protect me, got enemies there still and all that. Okay, I will send my angel to protect you and all the people there to make sure that you will still be safe. What do you think Moses said? Do you think Moses said, yes, let's go, let's go, let's all go. No, Moses said, then he said to him, if your presence does not come, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. You know, in other words, Moses is saying, you go, I go. You don't go, there's no go. No way. You know, I don't know about you, but if the children of Israel could hear them and their conversation, I bet you that their jaw is going to drop. I bet you that they're going to go ahead and be like, what Moses? Are you kidding? Are you serious about it? Because when God says that you can go, we're already going to start the praise singing. We're, going to ask, we're already going to ask Sister Sue to come out and, and sing freedom already. Because now there's freedom for us to go into the promised land. But Moses, what? You said no? Wait, 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 take a pause here Moses, okay? Let's think it through, okay? Let's not make rash, rash decisions right now. 400 years of slavery, right, Moses? And we are struggling. And we are really struggling here right now. Eating the same food, wearing the same clothes. And I really cannot, we cannot take it. There's suffering. There's hardship. You open your eyes, you see there are people, and you open your ears to hear, there are people complaining, you know, and explaining. Surely it's a no-brainer, right? To accept God's offer. And mind you, this is God offering, not the devil, huh? Okay, if it's level offering, okay, different story. But here is God offering you a green light into the promised land. 
Now God is saying that you can finally go into the promised land and get your rightful inheritance. Now God is saying that we can finally build our nice, comfortable homes, send our kids to good schools, you know, to the top schools in, in the promised land. You know, now God is saying that we can finally plant our own little plants and not have to wonder about not knowing tomorrow where we are going to stay. Now God is saying that we can eat from all the food from the land flowing with milk and honey. There's a reason why it's called man flow, a land flowing milk and honey, right? Who is there's a reason? Can we try the try the, the milk and the honey right now? Because it's been years in the desert and I really don't want to eat what is this. I really want to eat milk and honey. I want to drink milk and honey already. And God is offering on top of all this, huh? It's like buy one, get one free. You know, I he's gonna send an angel as well. Eh? What a good deal, eh? This is guaranteed job huh, that your safety is provided every step of the way. That even though you meet any enemies, right, you can say, haha. You can touch me, okay? Because we have this angel. Such a good deal. But Moses still said no. What did Moses say? If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. If I were to help you understand, essentially, what Moses is saying is this. If I must choose between God's presence and God's blessings, I'm going to choose God's presence. And even if it means I'm going to take a lifetime of hardship, and even if it means if your presence comes with it, you know, some suffering, even if it means your presence means that I cannot enjoy the goodness of life, even if it means with your presence I have to endure certain things which I don't like, even if it means your presence means I will not be well-liked by my friends, even if it means your presence... I'm, with your presence, I can't get what I want. I can't get promoted. I can't do the things that I want to do. Your presence, Lord, is better Amen. than your blessings. Amen. And if I were to help everyone to understand this morning, it's like living, right? It's God giving you a chance to live in Sentosa Cove without His presence. But instead of Sentosa Cove, you say, Lord, I want your presence and I'd rather choose living in ECP in a tent. And if you see the pictures behind me, you can see the stark difference. This was what Moses chose, okay? He chose a, a life of God's presence living in an ECP tent. It's pretty tough, you know. I don't know whether you live. It is not glamping, ah. I tell you, I know some, some of you are glamping. Ah, never mind, lah. glamping got aircon and all that. No, it's about living a life of hardship. But God's presence is still there over a lifetime of comfort, over a lifetime of all the good things, all the, the creature comforts you can have, nice bed, instead of sleeping on the ground, electricity, a fridge, all that, without God's presence. And I hope I help you to understand by showing you some pictures of how we, he is, you know, for the average Singaporeans here. See, Moses' goal and Moses' greatest rewards, Tabernacle of Joy, was to know God intimately, no matter the cost. No matter what it took, he says, I chose, I choose your presence. You see, his internal GPS was directing him to the eternal. And his GPS was that God positioning system because he knew that the best life is a life that is with God. Uh, the best life that he could possibly have is a lifetime 
living in His presence. Amen. Now, as I was reading this, you know, and as a father, as I read about the interaction between Moses and God, I can really relate to how God must have felt hearing Moses' response. And if you're a parent here, you know, I believe you also can relate to it. Imagine if your kids give you exactly that same answer as Moses. But imagine if Aiden tells you that I would rather choose you over what you can give me. You see, my heart overflows as a father when and if and when I hear this from my kids, telling me that they want me more than anything else that I can give or what I can do for them. And, and this is what exactly I heard, overheard at my home okay, recently. I heard Grace talking to one of my, 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 my kids. You know, she asked this, this child, you know, you want cake? And the child said, I want mummy. You want playground? And this child respond, I want mummy. Now this is the biggest test, okay? All parents, you probably can relate to this. You want to watch TV? Netflix? No! The response was, I want mummy. You know, we are cherishing every moment. And I know some of the older parents are like, mm, yeah, wait till you are teenagers, right? Wait till they are adults. Then you know. But it's okay. I know they will change. I know life will change. Then their priorities will change. But, you know, Grace and I, we are enjoying and cherishing every single moment at that age that they are, that they still want our presence. And I wonder why will God, maybe that's why God says it's good to have that childlike faith because you'll choose over the creature comforts and the thing, good things of life to choose the God things in life. And maybe that's why as parents we can relate to it because we have a child that says, I want your presence, daddy. I want your presence, mommy, more than what you can give me, more than what you can provide. It's exactly, a couple of weeks ago, Brother Sam gave that testimony as well. You know, I remember Brother Sam talking about Bethany, right? Choose a, a toy or me. And Bethany chose him instead. And he said that Bethany was smart because in choosing him, she got more than a toy. She got him plus many, 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 many toys. <laughs> so Moses' choice, back to Moses again, reveals to us two things. And can I tell you what the two things are? Number one, Moses chose God's presence over his promise. But number two as well, Moses knew that God was a faithful God. God is a faithful God because no matter what, God is a covenant keeper. He, he's a promise maker as well as a promise keeper because he said he knew that even though he chose Moses, Moses chose God's presence eventually because God is a faithful God. They will still go to the promised land. They will still go to where God has promised no matter what. Even if it takes a little bit more longer, God will still keep his promise. Amen. And I think I'm speaking to someone here today that you might be thinking, is God deaf? Is he being delayed? What has God promised me that he has not come yet? I'm telling you this morning, I don't know who I'm speaking to, but God is a faithful God. We sang about it this morning and it stood out to me so powerfully about God's faithfulness. And today I want to send a reminder to everyone here that we serve a faithful God, that God remembers the promise he keeps. Can you praise God? Lord, we worship you, Lord God, and we praise you for your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, setting the GPS, 
What do you think prompted Moses to set this GPS on the presence of God over everything else? You see, when Moses left Egypt, it wasn't about the promised land at all. When Moses took the first step out of Egypt, it wasn't really, he wasn't really thinking about the promised land. You know why? Over and over again, when we read scriptures, Moses would repeat to Pharaoh the instructions of God call to worship him in the wilderness. It was never about the promised land. You have never read that Moses said, I want to go to the promised land. We are going to the promised land. Exodus 5.1, it says that, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the promised land. No, in the wilderness. Exodus 7.16 says, And you shall say to him, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the promised land. No, it was the wilderness. Exodus 10, 3. So Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh. Thus says the God, the Lord God, let my people go that they may serve me. There was no mention about the promised land at all. Moses' key objective, the key clear objective in Moses' mind was to bring the group of people out of Egypt to the presence of God, to bring the people out of their sin, out of idolatry, out of their hardship, out of their suffering, into the presence of God, to worship Him, to meet Him, to encounter Him. Amen. The destination, Moses, and all of us here was about the presence of God. It's about spending that quality time with Jesus, with God. And this is that great reward, Tabernacle of Joy. It's about spending that with that time with God in His presence. And if you are new here today and wondering, what's the big deal about the presence of God that is making you so excited? Let me share with you about the goodness of His presence. There is a song... Uh, by Israel that describes the presence of God that says that your presence is like heaven to me. And it goes like this, who is like you, Lord, in all the earth, matchless love and beauty, endless worth. Nothing in this world can satisfy because Jesus, you're the cup that won't run dry. Your presence is heaven to me. Treasure of my heart and of my soul, in my weakness, you are merciful. Redeemer of my past and present wrongs, holder of my future days to come. Your presence is heaven to me. Your presence is heaven to me. When I was in army training, you know, in the jungles of Brunei, God's presence sustained me. When I needed strength, His presence lifted me up. When I was at work and I couldn't keep up with the demands and pace of the deadlines that was looming before me, His presence was there to help me every step of the way. When Grace and I lost our child, His presence was there to comfort us. His presence was there to wipe away every tear and tell us that He is a faithful God nonetheless. When I feel alone, God's abiding presence was with me all the time. When I feel that I was just me and there was no one else 
next to me, his presence tells me that he has always been with me. And his word tells me that he has never left nor forsake me. And if you want the presence of God that we are talking about this morning, you already have the answer if you're tuning in to the past couple of weeks. You need to separate yourself just like Moses from the things of Egypt. Egypt was a place of idolatry and sin. And there is a need for that separation so that we can go into his presence in consecration. Moses had to separate himself so he, can, so he could enjoy the presence of God. In the past few weeks, when Pastor was talking and Brother Charles was talking about setting boundaries, I was thinking, what boundaries? I don't know. I hope that it spoke to you, but it, it felt like it was bouncing off me. There was a boundary between me and the Word. Until when I started to ask God and say, Lord, show me the meaning of your Word. Reveal yourself in a greater measure to me. Give me and illuminate your Word. And God said, Moses created a boundary between the world and himself so that he can have the presence of God. And that is why Tabernacle of Joy, we need that boundaries of God. And if you are thinking, ah, what's the boundary of God? Go and tune in to the past couple of sessions about boundaries. Because the boundaries will separate you from the things of the world and the distractions of the world so that you can enjoy that presence of God. Amen? Separate yourself from the distractions of the world because the world will tell you that it's okay to just live a good life, just like the rich young ruler without God's presence. The world will tell you that. I grew up listening to that, and if you are living in Singapore, I'm pretty sure you grew up hearing that as well. The world will tell you it's okay to go and build golden calves because God is delayed. Where is God in your life? There is no God. Let's build a golden calf so that we can worship your careers instead. So that we can worship Netflix instead. So that we can worship something else because God is not here anymore. But we just sang Tabernacle of Joy that we serve a living God. That even though He may be silent, He is in our midst. This morning and this day set this boundary, Tabernacle of Joy, Tell the devil, not today. You may be distracting me from Monday, from the past week to a Tuesday, all the way to a Friday. But this day, devil, you're not going to touch me because I have the word of God. I'm armed with the word of God and I'm armed with a testimony of what God has done in my life. And I want his presence above it all. Today, I will not choose to live a life without God's abiding presence. Come on now. I want you to respond. It's not respond to Brian Lowe. It's responding to God in your own way. Today, I choose to live a life with you and I will not settle for life without your empowering presence, Lord. Today, I choose to forget what is behind and push forward. Today, I choose to, to strain forward. Today, I choose to press toward the goal to win the prize. Uh, today, I choose that great reward that I'm reminded of this morning. Today, I choose to stretch out for the prize for which God has called me. Today, I will choose. And this week, I will choose to protect my time with God. I will set my phone aside. I will take away that Netflix. I will turn aside from my work to 
today I will choose you, Jesus, in prayer, in reading the Word. Come on, can you respond to that? If there is a stirring in your heart, if there is a call in you that is God, that is reaching out, why don't you respond? Father, Lord, we respond to you right now, Lord God, in worship, Lord God, with every hands that's lifted up, with every heart that is open, Lord God. We want and we choose you above it all, Lord God. We choose you over popularity. We choose you over the good things in life. We choose your presence because you are a faithful God and you never, ever go against your word in Jesus' name. And we acknowledge your presence in this place. We acknowledge your presence in this place. And I don't know about you, I feel there's a moving of God in this place. And I feel that there is, oh, uh, um, His Spirit is, His Spirit is here and He's reaching out. Would you not respond to Him? Can we stand? God's presence is in this place. And I want to add on. Some of you may not have heard it before. But a couple of years ago, Grace and my family and, and myself, we were driving in Australia. And we were in Perth. You know, and we, we had a great itinerary planned out. We were looking forward to a great time in the countryside of Perth. You know, and, and we really loved the place. And we were in Perth city centre and I was in my car and I was preparing to drive out of King's Park, this beautiful park, into the countryside of Perth. And we were just at the exit of King's Park in Perth city centre. Out of the blue, you know, I've never noticed this at all. There was a strange guy, a random guy, out of the blue he appeared all dressed in white or khaki. And, you know, he was, and, and we distinctively remember he was wearing a cowboy hat as well. Strange. I don't know whether they do that in Australia, but, any, but I see that guy there. And he was walking toward our car. And this guy was waving frantically. And not only was he, he was pointing at me. You know, as a tourist, I, 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 I don't know, when a strange guy from for, in a foreign land was waving and pointing to you, you want to run away, right? And that was how Grace felt. She felt nervous. Strange guy walking towards us, pointing and waving at us. But somehow there was something inside of me that told me to wind down the window. So I wind down the window. He walked past me. Just like that, just here. He says, in Australian accent, and I'm not going to do Australian accent, but he says, your tyre is flat. And he just walked off. Right at a critical moment, just before we drove off into the countryside, a four-hour journey into Margaret River, a random guy out of the blue come up to us and tell us, your tyre is flat. I had no clue at all. I was already driving out of the car park. I didn't feel any difference at all. But if this guy didn't stand up to, to our car and chose to point you know, to, to, to us, and if we, we, I didn't wind down the window, I would have not noticed it. And I would have driven four hours into the countryside. Probably made an accident, I don't know. And I believe at that moment, I believe surely right now as well, 
that God has sent this guy, whether human or angel, I don't know, but God has sent someone along the way to tell us, to warn us, to give us a word of advice. And today, God is doing the same. He's sending Brother Brian here to wave at y'all, to talk to y'all, to point at y'all, because he wants to get your attention this morning. He was reaching out to you and asking you to check your GPS. A GPS is useless without knowing where exactly you are. So this morning, Tabernacle of Joy, where are you? Where are you determines where you are going. What you do in the choices of the next few moments determine probably an eternity. He's asking you this morning, Tabernacle of Joy, check your tyres. Are you feeling deflated? Did you come in with a flat tyre, feeling some kind of deflation with a heavy spirit upon you? If so, He's reaching out to you. He's asking you this morning, check your petrol tank. Are you running on empty? Are you playing church coming in this morning just to show a face that I'm doing well but actually inside I'm in pain? I'm at loss. I'm confused. And I don't know where I'm going. And if that's you this morning, He's reaching out to you. And you have to stand, and you have to stand here. Let's make the best out of it as God is reaching out to you. And maybe this morning you come here and say, physically, Lord, I'm here, but it feels like I'm wandering like the children of Israel in the wilderness of which I don't know when it will end. I'm asking you, I'm beseeching you, I'm pleading, respond to God, not to me. He has promised in Genesis 15, He says, I am your exceedingly great reward. And if after I've talked so much and you still don't get it, go back to the scripture. For God has already said, I am your exceedingly great reward beyond better than anything else the world can offer you. I offer you my presence. I offer you all that I have. Can we acknowledge His presence in your own way? I don't care. Person on left or right, whatever. Can you respond to that call this morning to check yourself, to check your tank, to check your tires, to check your GPS? Where are you? James 4 8, it says, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Respond. Lord, we respond to you. We draw near to you. But James 4, it doesn't end there. He says, cleanse your hands and purify your heart. So Lord God, we ask you this morning, Lord God, with every hand that is lifted up, clean my hands, Lord. Purify my heart, Lord God. I don't know what I'm doing for the past few weeks, but I'm so glad I'm in the house of God that you can cleanse me, that you can wash me, that you can tell me that it's okay, that although I've not heard, you heard from you for the past two weeks you are here at this very moment and I'm responding to your word Lord 
I'm responding to your call and your invitation right now. Where do you respond? In the name of Jesus. This is just you and God. Make that a personal prayer to Him this morning. I respond to you, Lord God. I will draw near to you. I will choose you over the things of this world. I will respond to you as you have invited me and I will draw near because your word says, Lord God, you are a promise keeper and you will draw near to me when I draw near to you. So I will draw near to you, Lord. I'm drawing closer to you. I'm going to press on to where that go, just like Apostle Paul. I'm going to press on this coming week. I'm going to push through the distractions. I'm going to lay aside the demands and the cares of the world to win the prize of your great reward. I want your presence, O Lord God. Make that a prayer for yourself right now. Come on, Tabernacle Joy. He is a rewarder who them that diligently seek him. Oh Lord, I choose to be diligent. I choose, oh Lord God, to seek you because you are a rewarder. You're not just talking about a great reward and tempting me. You are talking about a great reward that I can have because you are my rewarder, Lord God. And you reward when I seek you diligently, oh Lord God. We ask that you pour out your presence, oh Lord God, in this place, oh Lord. Can you just respond? And if you are led by the Spirit, there is also a spirit of ministry in this place to pray in the name of Jesus. If you are a family, husbands and wife, pray for with each other. Pray for the outpouring of God's presence in your house. Pray that God will manifest His presence in your home, in your children's life. Pray, pray, pray in the name of Jesus. Students, workers, pray for God to manifest Himself in your school, in your office. We are going back to the office right now. We are no longer working from home, but God's presence will go with you into your schools, into your offices, wherever they are. In the name of Jesus. I know some of you are already organizing Christmas outreaches. I know some of you are already coming together to organize gatherings and Matthew parties in the coming weeks. Pray and lift them up to Jesus. Says, Lord, unless your presence is there, it's just another social party. Lord, unless you are there with us, it is just another thing that the world can offer. But Lord, we have more than what the world can offer. If it is your presence, Lord God, and your word says, when two or three are gathered in your name, you are in our midst, O Lord. So Lord, we lift up every gathering, every Christmas outreach into your hands. We pray that you will manifest your presence in the place like never before. 
therefore, in a greater measure, we pray and we welcome your presence to come into every homes and every place that will have a gathering that celebrates your birth, that celebrates the reason for this season, oh Lord God. This is more than just about giving gifts. This is more than just about having Christmas and to buy and give things, but it's about you, oh Lord God. So Lord, you are that VIP that we will invite. You are that VVIP that has to be there. You are the VIP that we will throw the red carpet out for because we need you more than ever. As the world gets darker, Lord God, we need your presence to come in. We need your presence to flood every place in the name of Jesus all across in, in Singapore, in, in wherever you are, Lord God, that your presence will be so tangible, Lord God. That, Lord God, your presence will be overwhelming, oh Lord God. And Lord, we lift them up to you. Unless you build the house, we labor in vain, oh Lord God. So we need you, oh Lord God. Come on now, just pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Come on now, God is not done in this place. We're going to tarry and we're going to pray. There's no point listening to Brother Brian without responding. There's no point listening to all that I've said. If you do not respond to the word of God in prayer, if you do not tell him, Lord God, I choose you. I choose you over everything else. I'm not going to be like Aaron. I'm not going to be like the rich young ruler. But I want you, Lord God. I want your comforting presence in my life. I want your your abiding presence in my life I want your joyful presence in my life I want your empowering presence in my life I want your uplifting presence in my life oh Lord God nothing less than you Lord God nothing less oh Lord God we're just going to continue to pray there's a flow of the Holy Spirit we're just going to continue to pray and to minister more than ever Lord God I need you Lord have your way, Lord. Do your will, Lord God. In this place, oh, Rabo Shoto, your Rodo, 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 Baha. Lord, your Rabo Shoto, your Rodo, Baha, your Rodo, Baha, your Rodo, Baha.
Lord, I represent, oh Lord God, my house, oh Lord God. And what do you say to God? Lord, I represent my house, Lord God. And I invite your presence once again, oh Lord God. Not only in my house, but in every house that I will go, Lord God, this Christmas season, Lord God, that Lord, I bring your presence with me, Lord God, that you can come with me, Lord God. I invite your presence into every gathering, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, oh Lord God, that Lord, that when you come with me, oh Lord God, I know I'm not alone, Lord God, that Lord, I can make a difference, oh Lord God. In the name of Jesus, O oh Lord God, in the name of Jesus, but until then, O oh Lord God, I'm going to set a boundary, Lord God, between me and the world, Lord God, the distractions, O oh Lord God, of the world. I'm going to draw that line, O oh Lord God, and say, and, and say that I will not allow the world to distract me from your presence, O oh Lord God. And because I want your presence more than anything, O oh Lord God, Lord, I will say no to anything that takes away, takes you away, O oh Lord God. I'd rather choose you, O oh Lord God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I, I feel that we need to uh, respond to the word um, a little bit more than just uh, in the service. Um, there's a, I mean, I, this is the first time I've ever heard. You know, all my life, I've heard about boundaries, and boundaries has always been spoken as something that we should not do. Don't this because you sin against God. But I've never heard in my entire life someone teach about setting boundaries to protect your relationship with God. In the sense that you're setting a boundary so that you can have the presence of God in your life. And, and I like what Brother Brian said about how boundaries is about you need to set apart things. You know, it's, and we can easily talk about, okay, we set apart from the world we said about part from maybe in areas in our lives that we know is sin. But there's also something called setting apart your time with God. And I don't know how to say this, but um, there's something that Jesus did, you know, in, in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. He says, And now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. I think Jesus had boundaries in his life, not just in the fact that he does not sin, but he also set boundaries to his time with God. Because there are many things in this world that tries to cross that boundary, to fill up that space of what we call time alone with God. And he, it crowds us out. You know, it just, maybe it just, it's just life, it's work, it could be children, responsibilities. But setting boundaries also mean that we don't allow these things. For example, like Monday, you know, I always tell my family, Monday is family time, okay? Nobody's going to touch my boundary. This is my time with my family because, the, you know, weekend, daddy is busy and stuff. But this is guarded. And same way with your walk with God. Guarding your relationship with God, your time with God is a boundary that we have to set. And we do not allow anything to touch it. You say, God, nothing will touch this time no matter what happens. And you fight for it because... There is no way that we can enter or we enter to be entertaining the presence of God if we are always, you know, going about doing things. And Sunday is great, but you and I know this, Sunday is not enough. 
Because you don't see your wife once a day, once a week only, right? You see them every single day. You see your loved ones every day. And it makes a difference. And I, I'm not saying that, okay, this is something that, you know, I'm not trying to, okay, we got to, you know, force. No, I think at the end of the day, if this is something that's important to you, it's a set of, it's prioritizing. Boundaries is about prioritizing. It's saying, it's saying God, you are number one. And I know, you know, we have had an altar call, but I think it's important that we don't leave the service without talking to God about these boundaries. You say, God, I want to set aside this. This is yours. And no one's going to touch it. And it will make a difference because when you do that, that's when God begins to meet with you. You can have that burning bush experience where you say, God, I meet with you. And when you meet the presence of God, it changes your perspective. It changes your priority. Your, your anxieties begin to go away. Sometimes, you know, I start the day, I'm always kenchong, you know, God, I don't know what, to, oh, so many things to do. But when you come before the, the burning bush and God says, be still and know that I'm God, then you go into the day with that, with that peace. Amen. And I want us to just one more time, you know, can we just, this is how we want us to pray. Lord, I want to set some boundaries in my relationship with you right now. Lord, I'm setting aside, Lord. Why don't you make a commitment this morning before you leave? They say, God, I'm, I'm guarding this, this time with you, God. I, I'm sorry, God, that if I've, I've let go of this boundary and allow things to crowd out my relationship. But Father, right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I've heard the word. I've, I recognize, God, that you, your presence is more important, God, than anything else in this world, Lord. And Father, I, I'm setting a boundary in my life, God, to not allow, allow anything, God, to crowd out, God, this, this importance of your presence, God. Lord, like David said, Lord, take not thy presence from me, God, because, Lord, if without you, God... Nothing in this world matters anymore, God. Without your presence, oh God, Lord, my ministry does not matter. God, my, my job does not matter. Lord, nothing matters, God, if you're not there, God. But Father, I know, God, that in your presence, oh God, that's when I find the true tre treasure of my life. In your presence, oh God, I've been there before. I want it, oh God, not just on a Sunday service, but I want it, oh God, when I wake up in the morning and you are there. When I go through my trial in the day, Lord, you are there. When, Lord, I'm struggling, God, to, to find oh God direction God your presence will lead me you are the you are the positioning system that I need oh God because Lord I want to be with you God and I know if I follow you God you will lead me God to green pastures you will lead me beside still waters Father you are my shepherd and I want to follow you God because Lord yea do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil because thou art with me Lord because you are with me. I don't need to be afraid of how the world is going to happen. I won't be afraid of life's challenges, God, because you are with me. And Father, right now, I make a commitment this morning, God, to set aside, oh God, my time with you in the name of Jesus. I set aside right now. And Lord, I thank you, God, because as I set aside time with you, you will set aside time with me. What a privilege, God that I can be with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords one-on-one -on -one, every single day. And Lord, I have your full attention. What a privilege. Father, we thank you, God, for today's word. Thank you, God, Lord, as we leave this place, Father, let your face continually shine upon your people. That as we seek after you, God, let your favour rest upon, oh God, your people today. Lord, that in your presence, oh God, Miracles will begin to take place in everything that we do. Everything that we touch 
the hand of your presence will be there with it, O oh God. We thank you for all that you have given us today. We give you the highest praise. Can we just thank the Lord one more time? And let's give Him praise this morning. Come on, somebody magnify the Lord together with me. Let us exalt His name. Let's give Him the honour. Hallelujah. That is worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Shake hands, be friendly. Tell someone it's so good to see you in the house of the Lord. Amen. And let's continue to be in His presence. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. For those who can...